0: This episode is brought to you in partnership with the NYUAD Arts Center.
1: I think sometimes the kind of arts and culture that we present can be lumped in with entertainment uh, and seen as a luxury or seen as optional. And I think that uh, it became really clear that it was... Music and film and watching theater, live stream and watching dance performances or dancing at home. Like the arts were really what kept people sane throughout a really difficult time.
0: Bill Bragan is the art director at the NYU AD Arts Center. Since 2014, he's been bringing some of the world's biggest names in experimental, cutting-edge performance art to the capital of the UAE. One of those names, Kid Koala, earned his stripes as a scratch DJ in the early 2000s. He worked with many mainstream musicians like the Gorillas and made scores for Hollywood movies. Kid Koala was about to get on a plane to Abu Dhabi to perform a 14-person live puppet show scheduled for March the
1: 12th. We had a number of residencies that were about to start. Uh, Kid Koala was about to get on the plane in Montreal and come here. So we immediately started talking to them pretty much every day and said, we're not sure. At first, we thought maybe they could come. And then we thought better of it uh, and then canceled it and postponed it.
0: Bill Bragan had a big task in front of him. At the beginning of March, most of the world was just waking up to the idea that life was going to change in ways that we couldn't have imagined. Bill had the second half of the NYUAD Art Center's program for 2019 and 2020 planned for expected audiences when he had to put the brakes on. These were unusual circumstances, and audiences were not the only concern for Bill.
1: So the first part of the shutdown was basically focused on the current season and sort of unplanning it and starting to have conversations with artists about how to make good for the future and how to make sure we left them whole. Uh, We were watching all of our friends who are artists all around the world go into financial freefall almost immediately, I think. People started losing six months a year, two years worth of work, and we wanted to make sure that we were not going to contribute to that problem.
0: The Arts Center is part of the NYUAD campus, and as such went into strict lockdown that affected most educational institutions within the UAE. This meant Bill Bragan and his team had the challenge of how to bring performance art to their audience without any space for the art to take place. The answer came, as it did to many, through online connection. The first time this was put into action was with Rooftop Rhythms, an open-mic spoken word night running since 2012. Rooftop Rhythms is a regular feature for many spoken word artists, poets, and musicians in the community. And the session at the end of March was supposed to celebrate its anniversary.
1: And it was their eighth anniversary. And we started feeling like we really wanted to somehow do that. It's so deeply rooted in the community and it's so important to so many people who in normal times travel from all over the country to come in for for the open mic. And so we started rigging up a plan to create an online live virtual version of that. And so a lot of the focus was how do we do it technically? Where is the audience. Where's the artists? How do we create a sense of engagement? And we planned that. That was on March 27th. uh, And we found a way to put the performers in Zoom. And we considered that our stage. And then we had the audience come to Facebook and YouTube and our website. And that was the audience seating area. And then we basically broadcast from Zoom to social media. And immediately we found out that it worked and that uh, people were super engaged uh, at that moment, especially when everybody was just trying to process what was happening in the world, having a moment to come together as a community, having people be able to start talking about their feelings of isolation, of confusion, of depression, what have you, through their art, was really important. Uh, and at the same time, uh, people were just celebrating that they were actually back together, even if it was back together through a social media space.
0: The world was dealing with a the then new concept of social distancing. There was an unknown disease spreading across the world, and people's fears and anxieties relating to it were at the forefront of a global experience. Bill started thinking about what might be needed at this time.
1: Everyone was thinking a lot about isolation. Everyone was thinking about uh, the fact that you were being called to be physically distant. And even the, the branding that people were really talking about, social distancing as opposed to physical distancing, I think had a psychological effect. And one of the things that's really important to me about the work that we do at the Art Center is a sense of building community through shared artistic experiences. So I think we immediately started thinking about the way that we could be an antidote to that sense of isolation and that we could continue to create a sense of community when people were starting to really feel a lot of despair.
0: Bill and his team introduced the Reconnect series.
1: Then we started working on what, uh, what we ended up calling our Reconnect series. Uh, this is our fifth anniversary, and so we talked about it, but we actually hadn't done anything retrospective. And so we realized it was a good opportunity to go into the archives, reach out to some artists who were really important to us, uh, but whose work hadn't been seen since... It originally happened in person. And the first person we reached out to was Mason Zayed, the Palestinian-American stand-up comedian. And we started just thinking about, like, what do people need? Uh, and the first thing was people needed to laugh, right? They needed that release. And we started it on Wednesday, uh, April Fool's Day, April 1st. Uh, and for Maison, we showed the performance from a couple of years ago and then she had a live Q&A. And so she watched along with the audience and was in the chat, and then people could add questions in through social media. And it was great. It felt like it was real-time. And so one of the things we were trying to avoid was that sense of everything in the world being available on demand. And it gets to be overwhelming, and it doesn't feel like you're actually at a performance. YouTube already exists. so We didn't need to recreate that.
0: This series opened up the possibility of digitized performance art, streaming performances from NYUAD art centers five years, and opening up the performances to far beyond just the UAE. Globally, people could engage with the performances which were followed by question and answer sessions with the artists.
1: And So we spent a lot of time in the summer rolling out these weekly reconnect series uh, with 47 Soul the next week in part because uh, people needed to dance around their kitchens and their living rooms. And again, people needed that release and also 47 Soul are an amazing band. Uh, and then the third one that we did was Toshi Regan, uh, Parable of the Sower, the concert version, which was the very first event in our inaugural season. So it is sort of legendary. Within the campus, we ended up uh, commissioning the full opera, which we presented the world premiere of. It's Toward the World. And so we really wanted to have Toshi involved. We actually realized that the date we had scheduled was uh, Earth Day. And this, uh, this piece is, in part, a very strong environmental dystopian theme. So it was perfect for Earth Day. And then Toshi basically said to us, uh, I'd like you to invite all of the other institutions who have been involved in Parable in its journey. And it had gone on to the Singapore International Festival of the Arts and uh, UNC Chapel Hill in North Carolina, Carolina Performing Arts, Arts Emerson in Boston, the Center for the Art of Performance at UCLA. And we put together a partnership where everybody watched, and we had thousands and thousands of thousands of people from about a 15-hour time zone span all watching together in real time. More than 1,000 people stayed online for the Q&A at the end. And you really felt the sense of, I'm at an event. And personally, I went through all of the sort of adrenaline waves that I go through to performance, the nervousness at the beginning, is anybody going to show up? The hyper-focus when the show's going on and watching what's happening in the chat and watching the audience and the show at the same time at the end, feeling a little bit of like, all right, I need to come down. I need to, you know, maybe, you know, kind of let the the energy subside. But he went through kind of all of the emotions, and to me, that was super powerful.
0: As the Art Center team started looking towards the 2020-2021 season, there were a lot of unknowns ahead. When would restrictions be lifted? Who would be able to travel? What kind of social distancing would be in place? When would the center and the artists be fully able to resume performances at the university campus?
1: And so we started thinking about that and realized that we wanted to move away from solely presenting work from the archives and look at artists who are presenting something new. And so we started reaching out to artists and agents and managers and just said, what are you working on? Is there something you're thinking about? And took everything that was in our fall season and either moved it to the spring or moved it to the 21-22 season uh, and then started just reconceiving what does the fall look like. And I think what we tried to do was uh, move beyond looking at the obstacles and the limitations that uh, that working virtually created and actually spin it around and say, this is a moment that we actually can invest in a new approach and how can we reinvent our practice and who are the artists who are reinventing their own practice uh, that can actually use use the characteristics of distance as a sort of a positive element as opposed to a workaround. So all of the artists that we worked with in the fall are artists that we've actually presented in person in the past and I think that was important to us because there's a huge amount of risk in doing this. It requires a huge amount of trust, and so you want to have that prior relationship. We wanted people who already know Abu Dhabi and know our community because we're also still doing all of our visits to university classes. We're doing career chats with the Career Development Center. We're doing artist talks. So we wanted somebody who knew where they were going, even though they were, they were never going to be here.
0: What resulted was a series of digital performances. The artistic duo 600 Highwaymen made a theater piece in which audience members would connect on a phone call with another member of the audience and experience the art with a stranger. Tanya Al and Basil Zara presented a piece titled As Far As Isolation Goes, in which people who may be isolated in their homes due to the coronavirus lockdown are exposed to the experiences of asylum seekers who face the isolation of detention. This work was no longer translated into a digital space but designed specifically for it. Bill has found that this new way of presenting art has come with difficult adjustments.
1: I think the biggest challenge professionally has been that a lot of roles get blurry when we're presenting a live event, the sort of the job of the producers and the artistic side are fairly clear. The role of front of house and the box office are really clear. The role of technical production is pretty clear and everybody sort of knows what their roles are and we work really collaboratively. What I found is in a number of these pieces, those roles collapse and they get reinvented in different ways. I think personally... What I've been experiencing and I think what some of the artists are experiencing is sort of like that Kid Koala example. Uh, Artists rely on feedback. I rely on feedback. For me, being in the lobby as people are coming in, sitting in the audience in the middle of the show, not only to watch the show but to watch the audience and see how they're responding, being in the lobby as people are leaving and hearing the buzz, uh, that is both how I can evaluate the impact of my work, but that's also the... uh, that's the adrenaline, that's the drug of it, right? And that's what keeps you uh, really inspired. And right now, when we're doing one-on-one theater, people are having really emotional responses to some of the pieces we're doing, but I'm I'm not there to see it, and I'm not there to feel it. And the artists are feeling the same way. They are a little bit divorced from it. They've set something up that they're not necessarily able to attend. So then we're... Looking a lot at social media, you know, anybody who puts up a good Instagram story or tweet or Facebook post and tags us, that actually really helps a lot because then I go, all right, this worked. It landed. And it landed in the way that I hoped it would land. That's why I went into this is I love that moment of connection when the artist and the audience are all in the same place. And that collective feeling that you have is is what I'm really missing.
0: Although there has been a feeling of loss in personal connection with a local and tangible audience, the eradication of all geographical borders has had expansive benefits.
1: But what we found, for example, with Rooftop Rhythms, and we ended up doing three uh, three remote open mics in the spring, is all of a sudden we could have guest artists who used to live in Abu Dhabi but had moved to Oman or in the States or we had people, I think we had one poet who was based in Nigeria with somebody else who was in Chicago. When we did the poetry slam, we were able to actually reach out to some of the most important people in the spoken word world. Bob Holman, who founded Bowery Poetry Club, used to uh, help to reopen the New Eurekan Poets Cafe. Jessica Caramore, who was a, a deaf poet performer, to poetry Jam, uh, And they were actually judges. So the idea that People in our community could actually do their work and have people like Jessica Caremore and, and Bob Holman be on the other side was really powerful. Uh, and we started getting international press coverage. We were started getting listings in the New York Times and the LA Times and covered on CNN and Euronews. So there was a sense of uh, expanding our reach and our audience that we didn't just have to look at people who were in drive distance, but the entire world is our audience, which, which I think that parable of the sower broadcast was one of those indications that, that it could be that.
0: As usual with art, limitations give birth to new methods of creativity, and COVID has done just that. Although the arts, like the vast majority of industries, has suffered under the global pandemic, the people within the art world have sought to find solutions for artists, communities, individuals, and audiences to thrive. Although the digital sphere is by no means the ultimate solution, it has offered a lifeline. Bill Bragan thinks there are many lessons learned during this time, which offer hope for the future.
1: I think that some of the approaches that people are looking at now, where it doesn't require artists to travel around the world, for their work to travel around the world and connect with audiences, where you can look at uh, approaches that might not have the same carbon footprint, are actually important questions to ask that will resonate after COVID. I think the other thing for us is realizing the importance of both the in person of uh, audiences, which we really <laughs> we want them back desperately, but we actually don't want to lose the expanded reach that we've got by making more of a commitment to live streaming and the fact that. Uh, that you can have both at the same time. So now I think everybody realizes that you can connect with artists from all over the world at all kinds of times of day and night. And it's actually been really rich. I've watched a, uh, I watched an online theater piece from Poland last week. And that's not, it's not a piece I would have traveled for, but it was a new company, it was new work, uh, and it was exciting just to be able to see what else is happening.
0: To learn more about the NYUAD Art Center programming, please visit www.nyuad-artcenter.org. You've been listening to Recorded. I've been your host, Alexander Chavez. Next week, we will have part two of the series in which we speak to some of the artists from this season. Please join us. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe. And if you want to let us know what you think, we'd love to hear your review.